All right, welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited for today's episode. Uh, before we begin, I want to again thank all of you who have been subscribing and spreading the word about the show. The number of listeners keeps going up, which is obviously what we want. If you're a first-time listener, uh, please think about subscribing. If you're already subscribed and you like the podcast, please spread the word. We've got many great guests coming up in the next few weeks that I'm excited about. Uh, and that includes today's guests. This is the first time I'm having a couple of my Clarity colleagues on uh, from our research team, Sharon Brizinov and Uri Katz, along with a special guest from Kaspersky Lab, Evgeny Goncharov. Uh, we've got a crowded house today because a couple of years back now, Kaspersky Lab published some important research into the OPC protocol. OPC is prevalent in many vendor products in the ICS domain. And Kaspersky Lab was among the first to really dissect OPC. At the time, um, they disclosed 17 new vulnerabilities in the protocol that uh, were addressed. And then in the meantime, this year, Clarity did its own deep dive into OPC and disclosed nine new vulnerabilities in vendor implementations of OPC. Uh, we also published an in-depth research paper on the security of the protocol. So. Our idea today was to bring these two research groups together and find out why OPC security matters and where things stand today. So gentlemen, I want to thank you all for being on the podcast today. I'm glad you're here. Um, Evgeny, welcome as our guest. Can you uh, take a moment to introduce yourself and your work at Kaspersky? Uh, hi, Mike. Um, thank you for introducing, um, for, for inviting me to uh, to this uh, like podcast, um, I'm uh, thinking that the selection of topic um, is uh, a really uh, logical thing. So yeah, we uh, we probably need to concentrate on some aspects of OPC security because that's really important and we will be talking about that later. Um, at Kaspersky, I'm um, leading the uh, ICS uh, third team. So we are doing um, both, both vulnerability research and uh, threat research for industrial control systems and industrial organizations, um, publishing our reports uh, for free as like, um offering to uh, the society and to community of uh, ICS and OT-related uh, 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 people, both um, engineers, um, IT security and OT security guys, and so on and so forth. Uh, and, yeah. Great. And Sharon and Yuri, take two seconds to introduce yourselves and, and what you do at Clarity as well. Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is uh, Sharon Bizinov. I'm a vulnerability research team lead. With me is Uri Katz, our senior researcher. And in our in our team, we're mainly focused on uh, OT SCADA products. So we have a, a nice playground. This is our lab in Tel Aviv, uh, where we're building and breaking OT related devices, PLCs, HMIs, uh, all the softwares uh, and the peripherals around. And our goal is to find as, uh, as much as vulnerabilities as we can. So our, both our, of our customers and uh, everybody else uh, who are using the critical infrastructure devices will be as much as protected as, uh, as we can. And we're working with uh, all the major vendors in the, in the SCADA ICS world um, in order to disclose the vulnerabilities and make sure they fix the issues that we're finding. 
So this is our team. Great. So as I mentioned, I kind of envision this as a, a kind of a panel discussion. So I just want to throw out some topics along the way and have you both discuss. Um, so if Jenny, we can start with you. Um, Kaspersky's research into OPC dates back a few years. Um, maybe we can just start, kind of set the table, explain for the benefit of the listeners why OPC is such an important protocol for, for OT networks. Um, okay. <clears throat> we were, of course, always um, 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 having good understanding that OPC uh, is a very important thing uh, to take care of in terms of researching uh, its state of security. Uh, and, but actually, our, we started our uh, dive into OPC security world, uh, kind of occasionally, because uh, we were doing at the time quite a lot of penetration testing on um, our customer sites. Mm -hmm. uh, and as a part of this penetration testing work, we were, we were also doing like vulnerability research of the products that we are, were seeing on site and um, sometimes doing um, um, such research in advance when we were realizing that many customers have have the same set of uh, setups and set of products. Uh, so uh, we, we were actually researching uh, uh, one of our customers' um, uh, infrastructure and there was a uh, uh, Siemens-based um, ICS system um, and like, uh, yeah, we found a set of vulnerabilities and uh, one of them was in the vendor's uh, custom implementations, implementation of OPC UA. Uh, then we uh, realized that uh, the technology uh, at that moment was already widespread, even um, though um, the OPC Foundation started to uh, market and st started to uh, to uh, advertise their new secure and uh, uh, very um, flexible framework uh, not not that long ago. Uh, that's why uh, we switched to uh, the LPC UA um, set of uh, technologies and products or analysis and uh, made our first research in this area. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and of course, uh, like uh, f probably to give a, f a short introduction of the APC and why um, uh, I said uh, we believe that uh, researching APC is very important. Actually, um, um, OPC is the standard uh, or a set of standards um, uh, solving each solving this or that uh, problem in industrial. Uh, technology field that uh, uh, was created uh, to um, bring a level of interoperability for um, infrastructures uh, that were using multiple uh, industrial control system vendors in them, uh, which uh, currently I think uh, uh, is is pretty true for almost like 100% of uh, real-world industrial enterprises. So uh, this is a um, level that uh, allows uh, a, um, owners or engineers or operators of the uh, industrial enterprise uh, to get uh, data from uh, systems uh, that are implemented with the use of different um, specific private 
protocols that different uh, ICS vendors solutions are based on. So that, that was actually the main idea. Yeah. So uh, this is why it got that popular, and this is why uh, I think each and every, uh, like, at least big enterprise, big industrial enterprise, would have a set of um, OPC products and OPC technologies on their sites mm-hmm. um, and crucial for their operation. So, Sharon and Yuri, I know that during the course of our research, uh, and you, you guys wrote about it um, and spoke about it, that... OPC kind of replaced Microsoft Ecom as as the standard. Um, what, what's your opinion on why it's so critical in the ICS domain and, and why it matters so much? And how important was it to kind of move away from that that previous um, use of of the Microsoft standard? Yeah, so you're right, Mike. Uh, the old uh, OPC flavor, the OPC DA, uh, or usually we refer to as the OPC Classic was heavily based on Microsoft uh, DCOM uh, slash COM technology, which was uh, very grounded and down to Microsoft uh, Windows domain. And with the realization that um, SCADA networks are not just uh, Windows-based machines, they're also Linux-based and the other um, uh, RTOS-based firmwares and machines, uh, the OPC Foundation decided to uh, to improve the OPC protocol and remove the necessity of uh, of Windows and uh, Microsoft, and therefore it created a new uh, OPC standard, which is the OPC UA, which is a much improved uh, and better uh, protocol. And so, with the transition to the new protocol specification. Uh, there was no longer the need in the Microsoft uh, DCOM COM technology. And so today, uh, the modern OPC uh, protocol is is OPC UA, which doesn't need uh, these kind of uh, uh, old necessities anymore. Mm-hmm. And so the, that's the dominant specification right now correct i mean do we still see some of these other flavors in use so they have their own kind of purpose and um you know how does that kind of complexity um affect the the security of of what people are trying to with vendors you know of their implementations and what, what people need to do with this protocol well the uh, the ics world uh, moves pretty slow so we do see uh, some of the old opc uh, they are still implemented in uh, uh, legacy networks. Uh, and we also see some of the other flavors of OPCDA, which run over uh, HTTP uh, that actually don't use COM and DCOM that are still uh, in heavy use uh, in uh, many places. Mm-hmm. So, if, if Jenny, back to you for a second, just with looking at this specific research what are some of the challenges in doing this kind of security examination of a popular protocol um as yuri said it it moves slowly um there are many different flavors of this what what are some of the challenges that pop up when you decide to do and invest in this kind of security examination To start with, uh, LPC is kind of um, too big of a thing. It's not just a um, 
a protocol specification because the, the, there's actually a set of protocol specifications. Uh, it's not just a single technology or a single uh, um, uh, network stack. <clears throat> It's a kind of uh, specification plus reference uh, uh, implementation by the uh, LPC Foundation, uh, plus a, a, a huge set of different uh, private uh, implementations of different vendors, um, uh, somehow based on the um, original specification from, from uh, uh, LPC Foundation, but uh, many with uh, quite a lot of... Uh, uh, differences in the in the implementation, uh, and also um, as Sharon said already, uh, it it is also a huge history of uh, using of these technologies. So uh, as as you probably know, I'm sure you know, um, as like, th that's kind of obvious thing uh, in um, industrial um, infrastructures. Uh, the uh, product life cycle could be a really, really uh, like long story. So products may live for uh, decades and like not just one decade, but but several decades are, and, and like continue uh, doing their job and uh, being very crucial for uh, the enterprise uh, operations and uh, technological process process and its safety and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and you cannot just easily go and change things. So if we, if we are looking at um, the um, uh, modern solutions that all the ICS vendors uh, are coming up with um, and like penetrating the market uh, with, then uh, you would uh, probably see no other specific, uh, no other implementations rather than OPC UA, uh, except for like, a specific set of products, which are uh, OPC gateways that uh, do have such uh, functionality uh, for uh, backwards, backwards uh, compatibility purposes. Uh, but uh, if you go and uh, have a look at the uh, real-world enterprises, you will find out that OPC UA is not the most probably not the most uh, popular implementation of uh, uh, not uh, most po popular uh, um, specification of uh, OPC protocol. Uh, that's uh, one of the uh, basic things. So uh, the uh, research area is huge, and you cannot uh, cover it with uh, the resources a private company uh, may have. Right. So that's a huge challenge for the for, for the whole uh, cybersecurity community. Sharon and Yuri, what was your experience in terms of challenges and during your uh, your research into the protocol? Uh, well, I think the most significant challenge was uh, the attack surface. Um, we had to look at uh, many implementations for many vendors, uh, and, and the protocol itself is very complex with different flavors. So the attack surface was uh, really huge to begin with, and we needed to uh, to foc to decide what what we are going to focus on uh, for the research. Mm-hmm. And so how how would you describe that attack surface? How extensive is it? Is it just, is it that complexity that kind of introduces vulnerabilities or um, how, would, how would you describe that, the attack surface? It really depends on what you look at. We tried to um, 
when we tried to limit the attack surface, we 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 decided to try uh, and look at only or, or mostly pre-authentication uh, uh, um, vulnerabilities we can uh, get to, uh, and uh, and I think I think that. Uh, it really depends how you look at the, at the attack surfaces. Just like we said, uh, we researched a, a couple of protocols, different protocols uh, of the OPC. So we have OPC DA, we have OPC UA, we have uh, different kind of flavors inside the OPC specification. And for each, we tried to understand what is the legitimate usage of each protocol. Once we understood mm -hmm. what is the legitimate product uh, usage, uh, we tried to build up a setup, uh, a working setup uh, with uh, two different programs communicating with each other. And we're starting to look at the messages that are before the authentication occurs. Uh, this is because we want to understand what happens when an attacker reaches the network, the OT network. So it has just uh, arrived uh, double quote, double quote into the network. It has a f the first foothold in the network and they would like to exploit one of the OPC gateways or one of the OPC servers. So obviously they don't have any credentials, so they would need somehow to communicate with the OPC server and exploit it. Therefore, the most significant and most critical explo exploitation attempt is when attackers achieve remote code execution uh, that are pre-authentication. We decided that this should be our main goal, our main uh, focus, and we tried uh, to really concentrate on pre-authenticated messages. So we started to map the different pre-authentication uh, messages in all of the flavors, and uh, we we tried to understand what is the what is the structure of this, each message, and what can we what can we potentially exploit in each part of the message, because there are parts that are kind of constant uh, and there, there are parts that are more dynamic. And usually the parsing of the more dynamic fields are usually more prone to errors when they're uh, being programmed by uh, developers. And therefore, we tried to focus specifically on dynamic fields inside messages of pre-authenticated messages of all the different flavors of OPC. So this was our goal and uh, eventually we did, uh, we were able to um, to find a couple of vulnerabilities in the pre-authentic mm -hmm. messages. So kind of a related question for Evgeny, back when you uh, published the original work on this and there were 17 new vulnerabilities that were disclosed, um, was that, uh, it, it sounds like a big number. Were you surprised to find that many serious issues? And more importantly, how has the the state of OPC security improved since then? In my opinion, the state of OPC security, if we are talking uh, about the reference implementation by um, OPC Foundation, was um, quite high even at that time. So... We are talking about those 17 vulnerabilities then, uh, like eight of them uh, were uh, found in the uh, sample uh, code, 
like the code that uh, code that uh, the developers of the framework of LPC uh, reference architecture uh, implementation. Sorry, uh, uh, were suggesting to the developers community um, as as an example of how they could build the application on top of uh, the protocol um, and like. Uh, among the others, uh, there were um, uh, some um, uh, errors, some some vulnerabilities uh, in the uh, like custom implementation of uh, uh, LPC UA um, by by several vendors, um, and this was probably uh, the most uh, the most interesting part of the story. Uh, because of um, its um, relevant complexity, uh, uh, I mean the uh, the, the LPC UA standard uh, that incorporates all, incorporates all the previous uh, uh, like uh, parts of LPC functionality, LPC DA, LPC uh, alerts, and um, and events, and so on and so forth, uh, in uh, like one like big set of uh, one big uh, bulk uh, product. Uh, the implementation uh, probably was not uh, that very clear to the uh, uh, rest of the develop developers, the developers that were supposed to use uh, to, to use um, the, this technology, and like um, uh, some of the developers were not able to fully understand uh, all the reasonings uh, behind uh, this or that uh, parts of the implementation. So, uh, um, like. Um, Skipping some of the checks that has appeared to be security checks, or uh, misinterpreting some of uh, the um, uh, the actual uh, meaning of this or that and uh, this or that parameter, and so on and so forth, and that led to a uh, to set of serious attack, uh, serious bugs, uh, bugs that um, we found in in various implementations. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, but uh, so uh, the, uh, the the state of uh, um, the C stack that we were uh, actually investigating at this uh, at this uh, particular time frame, uh, it was uh, I would say very good. Uh, like if, if comparing to uh, to other products that we uh, had a look at that at that uh, point uh, that that point in time, we were actually surprised with how, how good it is. It was, but we were um, uh, at the time. Uh, at the same time, we were surprised uh, with how uh, many errors uh, were derived uh, from others, like good from the security uh, uh, mm -hmm. point of view product by by the vendors. And one of the reasons uh, was, as I said, the not very uh, high level of, of clarity of the uh, of the. Uh, um, Implementation, uh, maybe uh, some lack of good documentation, some lack of um, uh, support with like uh, unit testing and uh, kind of such kind of framework. Uh, maybe uh, with uh, with the help of custom fuzzing framework or something like that, like that that could right. potentially help the, the developers. Mm -hmm. So that was th that were the main problem areas that we were trying to uh, to focus on at that time. Mm -hmm. And, and Sharon and Yuri, from your experience, um, you know, obviously a few weeks ago, Clarity disclosed um, its set of vulnerabilities in three vendor implementations of OPC. We published a paper on the protocols. Um, 
just from a high level, did you guys see any commonalities in some of the vulnerabilities? Are, are the vendors making some of the same mistakes when they're implementing? Um, how, how do you describe what, um, what you saw, what you found in terms of the vulnerabilities across the vendor implementations? Yeah, so that's correct, Mike. Uh, we actually researched three different vendors. Uh, each product that we researched was actually even the products were uh, kind of different. So we researched, for example, uh, an OPC library by a, a vendor named uh, Softing, which many other uh, many other vendors use this library as a third party uh, for their OPC implementation. Uh, so each what, what I'm trying to say is we researched fairly different products of uh, different vendors. So it's hard to say um, or to point on any uh, commonality of errors or vulnerability types, but we do see that uh, uh, that some of the, we do see that from our understanding, some of the developers skipped uh, some of the checks in the OPC specification, just like Evgeny said. Uh, mm -hmm. And that led eventually to uh, to errors or vulnerabilities as such as uh, buffer overflow, overflows, buffer overruns. So skipping these checks, whether it's because the developer forgot or uh, they somehow skipped this check in the specification or they did not understand uh, what these checks are supposed to, to check against. So these kind of errors we do see uh, fairly, fairly commonly. Um, and these are the most uh, significant uh, errors that lead to vulnerabilities. And this is a question for everybody. I mean, it's still has to be frustrating from a research point of view to still see buffer overflows pop up in code or SQL injection or whatever it might be across any product, not just, you know, OPC implementations. I mean, if Jenny, if you want to jump in or Sharon, it has to be frustrating from a researcher to still see these kind of bugs pop up. That's true. That's true. But uh, when you are trying to uh, to uh, bring the product faster to uh, to the market, when you are trying to uh, build more and more functionality, when you are trying to introduce more and more support for uh, for like. Um, um, operating systems or for uh, outdated products and so on and so forth, uh, you always have to pay uh, uh, pay extra price for, for the security because uh, the, uh, uh, the more code you have, uh, the, uh, the bigger uh, the um, uh, attack surface could probably be. Um, and of course, uh, uh, when we are talking about um, IT, um, uh, not IT, but OT uh, uh, solutions, then um, like a while ago, uh, the like, cybersecurity was not um, um, such a, uh, an important topic uh, for uh, the developers of such solutions, maybe. Some, 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 some 10 years ago or something like that, right. five years ago, which is a relatively small amount of time for uh, such products. Uh, so uh, sometimes uh, we, we are facing uh, those legacy bits of code or 
bytes of code um, in in their upcoming products. Sometimes probably that's uh, the lack of security culture uh, in some 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 of the vendor side. I'm not talking about like uh, the market leaders, uh, but uh, as we all understand. There's lots of um, other technology uh, and sometimes even reused by the market lead- leaders. And that's uh, one uh, of the other important topics uh, probably to talk about today, which is uh, the code reuse when um, uh, big companies or uh, many different size uh, develop- de- development companies, uh, they uh, reuse some common components uh, created by someone else and like uh, controlling and guaranteeing uh, security for uh, those components uh, is um, quite a, a big extra uh, price for many of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a big problem a- across IT, never mind just OT, that, you know, code reuse, reusing vulnerable libraries it's, uh, and, and services, and, and it introduces vulnerabilities all over the place. I mean, Sharon, you know, I know that Clarity's talked about, you know, new, new researchers entering, entering the field and looking at ICS devices and OT protocols. And um, how much do you see this impacting software development for OT? I mean, it, they're going to really have to um, introduce security into those life cycles, correct, going forward? Yeah, I agree with that. So basically what we're seeing is when we're researching a new a new product, whether it's a hardware-based product or a software-based product, if it hasn't uh, if it hasn't been researched before, we're finding lots tons of vulnerabilities that we're disclosing to the vendor. And the reason being is because vendors in the past did not invest too much of their time and efforts in security, it wasn't part of the of their development life cycle. Uh, just like what happened in with Microsoft in the early 2000s, that suddenly uh, lots of, lots of, lots of lots of researchers started to look at uh, Windows and other Microsoft related products, and they started to to pile up all the vulnerabilities that they found. Microsoft had to take a decisive uh, action and treat security as as a very important feature. It, it, it's part of the, currently security, it's part of the uh, development lifecycle of every product in Microsoft. So I don't think you'll see, you'll ever see anymore uh, a product by Microsoft that did not go through an extensive um, uh, penetration testing before it, it is being released. Uh, so the same thing will, I think, will happen in the ICS world where vendors will invest more and more in the security part uh, of the development of every product because with uh, with the advance of the technology, ICS products uh, are starting to uh, be connected directly to the internet or, or at least uh, to be uh, somewhat connected to the IT network. And so the attack surface only grows and grows and now every every attacker with IP inside the network can communicate with ICS devices. So what I'm trying to say is ICS vendors uh, do not have any choice anymore to neglect security. They must treat security as part of the development of their products. And we do start to see uh, many vendors uh, treating security as an important feature and 
and using and and using all the resources they have, such as penetration testing or more CRs or uh, fuzzing as part of their development cycle. And if Jenny, do you um, what's your perspective on this? What do you uh, what would you like to see vendors do in terms of introducing more security into into the development process? <coughs> I would agree with with Sharon. Uh, like, um, looking uh, like at the past, um, I, I would say that um, uh, currently more and more vendors, even not that uh, big bonds, uh, invest in cybersecurity, um, trying to build their solution uh, solution secure secure by design. Pay attention to their uh, like. Um, uh, product vulnerabilities and uh, launching their product shirt uh, projects and so on and so forth uh, and trying to uh, to go public uh, with uh, disclosing uh, uh, disclosing vulnerabilities but uh, uh, even now we are um, currently far from the state um, mm -hmm. of uh, transparency and cybersecurity culture uh, that has uh, become a standard uh, for uh, like, like generic enterprise IT uh, development, uh, which is probably uh, the main problem at the moment to solve. Uh, the second problem is that uh, since uh, we are talking about uh, products responsible for uh, something very important uh, to uh, like human uh, lives and even uh, p potentially affecting human safety, then uh, just normal uh, IT standards uh, could be not enough for IT security. And probably uh, the vendors should should pay, uh, as I said, some extra. I'm trying to uh, uh, to rethink the architecture and the development process uh, of of their solution. Probably to bring something uh, that could um, guarantee some some degree of security. Don't know. Uh, for example, using. Uh, uh, Mills, uh, multiple independent layers of security approach or something like that, formerly military grade uh, architecture approaches that currently are uh, uh, pretty compatible with the hardware and uh, software setups of uh, mm -hmm. nowadays. And does the does the customer have any power here in terms of demanding better security from from vendors? Yes, absolutely. Uh, that's all. Uh, that's all about customer request. Uh, should the, should customer uh, requested more security in in the past, we probably uh, would uh, got more secure solutions at the moment. Uh, and yeah, we we uh, we see the uh, the progress here. Uh, working with our industrial customers, uh, providing them with our services or just consulting, uh, whatever else, uh, solving, uh, solving problems uh, uh, for them and uh, mm -hmm. helping them uh, protect themselves. We understand that uh, more and more industrial organizations uh, re require some, some degree of security from, uh, from the vendors. And uh, like uh, cybersecurity requirements have become a, an essential part of, of um, almost each tender for uh, industrial control system vendors at, at the moment. And that's, uh, that's one of the motivating factors.
Awesome. And Sharon and Yuri, what's your experience there in terms of customers kind of, you know, making it known that they they need um, more secure software, better products from vendors in terms of security? Yeah, so I do think they uh, they have their own own ways to influence vendors for a better security because nowadays uh, many companies and especially factories in the pharmaceutical domains are obligated to a certain uh, level of um, uh, certain level of uh, security in their factories. So I do think that uh, they influence uh, vendors by um, maybe not buying their product anymore or by setting a veto uh, in, in terms of if you're not doing that uh, and if you're not fixing your product, uh, we will not use your services anymore. So I do think eventually money uh, drives uh, all the all the industry, whatever industry we're talking about. Uh, so we do we do think that uh, it will affect uh, the entire ICS industry, and we're starting to see this uh, even today with our own customers. Yeah, I'm sure you are, and you know it's it's just part of that transition, as you mentioned earlier. Your analogy with Microsoft is just as more people are looking at ICS and poking around for vulnerabilities, you know, customers are going to obviously take notice, especially if there's an incident and, and demand better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right. So as a final question, um, I wanted to talk about just in, in Yuri, just based on a statement you made earlier about the attack surface being so expansive. Um, I know there are more vulnerabilities out there in terms of future work. Where would you like to see, um, you know, yourselves and other researchers look at OPC, what what remains out there to be looked at? Uh, well, like you said, the attack surface is very big, so there's still much to cover. I think the um, paper we published uh, explaining OPC and giving an intro to OPC will help other uh, uh, researchers uh, um, get into that uh, will actually get more researchers into the OPC research uh, and will lead to some uh, more findings. Uh, I, I do see uh, an improvement. If you look at the legacy OPC DA uh, protocol uh, uh, implementation and the current OPC UA implementations, it, it's a very big improvement. Um, I do think the world is going into, a, everything is going in, it, in a good day, uh, direction. Um, I think much of the efforts needs to come from the vendors uh, themselves. Um, actually, um, many of the, I think most of the things that we found could have been found with uh, using a, a generic fuzzer on the protocol. Uh, the vendors mm-hmm. have the source code and can do it much easier, uh, in a much easier way than we can. Um, so yeah, I think the 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 st- the state of OPC is getting better, but there is still uh, uh, in such a big uh, uh, um, I mean in, in such a big uh, in such a big domain, uh, you you can always find find uh, more vulnerabilities. Right, definitely more bugs out there. And, and just the final thought from you, Jenny, and, and on this question, just where would you like to see future work 
um, around OPC and and how, you know the importance of it. Um, there's some work we actually started to do. Uh, we are currently has has spent quite a quite a time uh, during uh, the last year. Uh, we're currently reviewing the state of, of, of cybersecurity of uh, the latest implementations from OPC Foundation, which I, I believe is one of the most important things because uh, being the reference implementation, uh, it, it, it um, uh, becomes a standard uh, for uh, many, many other vendors. They just either reuse it or use it with some slight modifications uh, or um, use it as the source of ideas for the implementation. Uh, so uh, making um, sure that the reference implementation is the most secure mm-hmm. uh, is a crucial thing. Uh, so uh, the more uh, research teams are involved into that uh, uh, activity, uh, the uh, more uh, security we are bringing to uh, the ICS infrastructures. Uh, and uh, second is the problem of tracking um, and uh, trying to analyze the scale of each uh, security problem that we found. Uh, even uh, when uh, dealing with the open source implementations of um, OPC, to say UA stack or any other uh, kind of, uh, or, or any other uh, legacy OPC or, uh, implementations, uh, you can find out that uh, trying to understand where, uh, which are the exact um, vendors that uh, were reusing uh, the code having this particular error uh, is an interesting problem to solve. And uh, the problem which probably is not um, achievable for uh, every particular vendor. Uh, and the second problem could be solved by many means, and including uh, probably increasing the level of transparency for the research teams, uh, such as sharing uh, the tool sets that they developed uh, during their work with the community, such as publishing their uh, custom uh, fuzzing uti- uh, tools uh, or some of the tools that they used to or find the box or uh, sharing some other knowledge that uh, the developers can can use to uh, uh, to incorporate into their development lifecycle. Um, actually, as as a result of um, that first work, uh, we have published on GitHub uh, uh, the set of fuzzing tools that we were using. Mm-hmm. So each and every uh, vendor uh, that. Uh, um, has its technology uh, implementation by, based on the UPC uh, foundation and CC uh, stack I could uh, use it to um, try and uh, uh, try and do some some other uh, security checking work uh, as a part of their development lifecycle. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, those, those are things that are, are not that probably expensive for the researchers. Um, that's a uh, pretty valuable uh, addition to what uh, have already been done. Right. Excellent. All right. I think that's a, a perfect place to leave it. Um, I think we covered a lot of excellent ground today. And I want to thank everyone for appearing on the podcast and, um, and giving up your time. I, I think this was an important discussion, and I'm glad we had it. Thank you very much. So thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. All righty.